The goal of the Salumas podcast is simple. Take a candid, objective, and often comedic approach to the human condition. In keeping with this, the use of expletives, crude humor, and references to harsh realities are commonplace. If you find any of this to be offensive, please throw your listening device in the trash. If not, enjoy the show. Back for another episode of the Salumas Podcast. This is Kulu. This is Chris. And today we are joined by someone who I respect wholeheartedly and have been wanting to get on this podcast for a long ass time. So go ahead and introduce yourself. Thank you for that. Um, <laughs> well, my name is Rachel Wyatt. Cool, cool. And so uh, as part of our uh, series uh, with the uh, National <clears throat> National Self-Care Awareness Month, I uh, wanted to bring Rachel on. Um She's done quite the transformation. You've been improving health and all kinds of other stuff. And just, uh, I'd like to know about that journey. And then, of course, I want to know about just self-care for women. You know, we had an episode uh, two, three weeks ago, maybe, about how self-care seems harder for guys. Because when we get it in, like, when, when you see the marketing on self-care, it's just, it's a lot of women out there. And it's like getting your nails done or getting pampered. And, you know, there's all... all obviously the pressure from society for a man to fit a certain mold. And so when you want to go and get your nails done or get a facial or get all this other stuff, you just, you're having to battle with that. And, you know, I've, I've learned that that shit is actually really nice and really refreshing to be able to have that. It's yeah. good for your skin. And, and so as we uh, go forward in this conversation, I'm really hoping that you can educate us a little bit on just understanding uh, self-care from a woman's perspective and then uh what's up man and then um let's just you know learn more about you and your journey so okay. uh go ahead and get started let's just start from wherever you want and okay. uh we'll we'll just flow okay um well i think it's important first to say that i come from a pl place of privilege when i'm talking about self-care mm -hmm. uh, because not everyone has the opportunity mm -hmm to practice self-care, whether it's those activities like you were talking about, and even a more sustainable self-care. Um, it takes money, yeah, and it takes uh, a, a space where you feel safe to do so, um, and even comfortable. Yeah. And so I think we have to recognize that while there are things that anyone can do to practice self-care that doesn't cost money, we also have to recognize that not everyone is able to do that, depending on the situation, their environment, huh. things like that. So I never thought I just, about it before, the way you said it, that coming from a place of privilege, it, it is kind of a privilege to, have, to be able to focus on yourself some, for a lot of people. Well, yeah. I mean, there's a lot of people who, even for things that don't cost money, if you're in a, if you're in a home environment that is toxic or violent just unsafe yeah you may not be able to ever find that space yeah maybe you can't go out and take a walk because you don't live in a safe neighborhood or maybe you can't find a quiet place at home because you've got screaming kids all the time or yeah. you have a violent partner or so many things are expected of you that when you do find that time maybe your mind's racing or 
you just want to sleep. I don't know, yeah. whatever. So I don't know. I just, I think that it's important to acknowledge that not everyone can do this. And I think also for a lot of people, they, they feel guilt for trying to take care of themselves. Absolutely. That's, that's something. Well, that's a cultural thing. Yeah. Very specific to the United States. I feel mm -hmm. like, like our entire culture is like, shut up and be grateful. You've got a job. Right. Yeah. Go yeah. to work, 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 work. Mm -hmm. Yep. I've absolutely felt uh, guilt for trying to, um, to, for trying to take care of myself. And it sucks because sometimes in the effort of trying to take care of myself, like I feel like I have to burn the whole world down to be able to go do it. It'll be one of those things where I'm just like, all right, fuck all you guys. I'm going to go do my thing. I don't mm -hmm. care what's going on. Mm -hmm. And so I don't know how to like proactively take care of myself. It's got to be like the last straw type of thing. Mm -hmm. And at that point, it's not even self-care. I'm just reacting off mm -hmm. of everyone. You know what I mean? Um, one of the things I started doing uh, since our episode last week is taking a little time to breathe. Um, for some reason, that really stuck with me uh, when Dr. Dice said, go to your breath. Um, and it, it seemed easy enough to just start from something like that. And my hope is that from starting or by starting from my breath, it can lead to me doing other stuff. The self-care part for me used to be, it used to be going to the gym, but that's just like, that's it's, maintenance it's just maintenance anymore. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Um, I don't feel like some kind of joy from, I get the endorphin release, but like, I don't feel some kind of joy from going to, for a workout. You know, I worked out twice yesterday. I worked out once in the, uh, after our football game. And then I worked out again from 9 p.m. until almost 11 p.m. And I didn't, you know, I didn't really feel anything. You know what I'm saying? I was just like, okay, I just, I went to Roosters and picked up a salad for Elizabeth and then went home, you know, because she works nights and stuff. Right. So I have nothing to do. And so I was like, oh, I'll go lift. But I just, it just doesn't feel like anything. So I'm still trying to learn how to take care of myself. I'm trying to learn how to love to work out. <laughs> And actually, I haven't worked out in like three weeks because I got really sick. I had pneumonia. And oh, that's no said, joke, man. No, and he said, you know, or she said, take at least two weeks off of working yeah. out. So, um, but that's been something that I've been trying to do. Yeah, I mean, to answer your question, as far as my journey with health and self care, um, I've really I've been trying to address that mental and physical health. Mm. Um, I recently went through a divorce. Well, let me, you know, before that, let me, I was in grad school for two years. And in that time of uh, grad school, I just graduated in May with my MSW. Congrats. Thank you. Yeah. Congratulations. Um, thanks. And so during that time, I basically just sat at a desk. I was a graduate research assistant as well as doing the program. And so I was at a desk. I gained so much weight. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, I'm almost six foot tall right at it, but I was up to 230 pounds mm -hmm. and I'm tall, so I hide it better than if I were, you know, shorter. I'd have been as broad as this, you know, building we're sitting in. But, <laughs> God, yeah. um, so, but then, so I just was feeling awful all the time, just working my brain and nothing yeah. else. Um, and then right as I was about to graduate the program, I found out my husband was having an affair. And so that just really um, messed me up mentally. Mm -hmm. And... I hadn't really thought about mental health, even though I'm in the field of social work. Sure. And was 
studying social work and mental health, I wasn't thinking about, oh, my mental health is also yeah. important. That's right? the last person you look at. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I'm just not thinking Especially about Especially in grad me. school. You're just trying to pass. Just trying to get through it, man, because yeah. it was a struggle. Um, and, and, and you have to give up so much when you're in grad school. Yeah. People, friendship. Well, I didn't, it's not that I gave them up. But I just had to set them to the side. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I get that when my wife was in nursing school for two years, and that was <clears throat> that was probably, well, I mean, we've only, we're going on year five, but, like, that's the hardest I that I, I hope to never have to go through that again. Mm -hmm. Because, like, I get it. I thought that I would be fine with it because my parents, like, I grew up with my parents going into school. Like, I grew up with dad was going to classes and stuff like that and then the same thing for mom and so I was like oh it's gonna be fine but then I realized like there is that's a hard juggling act man I'll, I'll be straight up we barely made it out of that shit for real yeah. yeah and um you know so there was there was just a I think the one thing that that probably saved me was this podcast was going and being able to like let my feelings out and, and talk about it and stuff mm -hmm. like that but for her, it seemed it was just like, and this is just coming from my point of view, it was like everyone was out, you know. And when you had that little bit of free time, a lot of times you get bonded with your cohort, you know, because yes. like, no one else close to you is going to understand right. the shit you're going through. Right. And so you almost, it's, I'm like, hey, over here, husband, and just like, just doesn't even want to like chill with you or anything like that. Exactly. And then when you're with them, it's almost like, you're still thinking about school stuff the entire time. So it's yeah. like you're not really present the entire time. Right. And, I, and I've seen even her friends in her cohort, their relationships are falling apart. All sorts of shit was happening. And it was just one of those things like just hold just hold hold with me for a you know, tiny bit. You're going to get treated like shit or something like that yeah. for the longest time. And you're going to see me stressed out and everyone gains weight and everyone does this other stuff. But, yeah. dude, it's hard shit, man. Yeah. It's really hard. And so now, now for her, she's just now starting to get into, like, taking care of herself. And, like, I would, I would think, like, oh, as soon as you start getting some paychecks, it's, like, it's Gucci. But there's so much work that has to be to be done and I think that as you get older I'm assuming as you get older and and being a woman and everything like that you're there's still the juggling act of being a mom of being a woman in this society of having to take care of all this other stuff mm -hmm. and then the last thing like Chris said that you want to take care of is yourself right like I don't how has that been are you are you even are you happy yet or are you do you at least recognize that you're on the path towards it is that kind of how you look at it um yeah i mean i'm nowhere near what i where i would like to be yeah um i went to therapy right after the divorce yeah um had three sessions felt worse after every session really? decided not to go back yeah it's just part of that stages of grief you know no amount of talking or whatever was going to help me feel better uh -huh. i just wasn't willing to give it the chance to continue to go so that eventually I will start feeling better uh, with the help of someone else, right? Yeah. So uh, last week, or this week rather, I went back because yeah. I have not been doing that great. Mm -hmm. um, I thought I was. I'm a very goal-oriented, rather strong-willed yeah. kind of person. Um, and then 
I just stay really angry, though, and sort of negative, which is not, I don't feel like, the normal Rachel. Yeah. And I was just noticing things about myself. Um, when I'm at work, I'm okay. But then as soon as I get home, I'm not hanging out with people, not wanting to hang out with people. Um, trying to work out, but not really enjoying it. Um, just feeling sad all the time. Mm -hmm. Having moments where I'm just like crying. And so I just decided... Okay, I've got to do some things. So I did start working out mm -hmm. a few months ago, actually about nine weeks ago. Yeah. Uh, shout out to Chad Alexander. I don't know if you all know him or not. He's a big old black dude. Yeah. He is. <laughs> <He's> a, <laughs> I think I've seen this. I, I was trying to find different trainers. I was like, this motherfucker's big, dude. He he's is. A, he's a big guy. And he's really been helping me. That's good. Uh, yeah, he. I meet with him three days. A, or, yeah, three days a week, um, and he's just been helping me get in shape. Man, he keeps me going. I leave there sweating and not happy. People say, "Oh, you feel so good after a workout." I never feel good after a workout. <laughs> like, nope. I'm always so tired. But I know it's a process. I know yeah. it's gonna. And I think my mental health has a lot to do with how I'm. Well, how, how my physical health is, but how I perceive my physical health sure. to be, how I'm taking that and using it. So um, so then now I've started going back to therapy because I realize, yeah, I need to talk to someone. Um, I'm not through this stage. There's seven stages of grief, and I don't even really, I'm in that depression, depression sort of state. Really? That I don't like to think about me being there because I've always been a really happy, upbeat um, I'm lucky enough that I don't deal with a lot of depression in my life. I, mm -hmm. I don't deal with a lot of struggle. Um, I just deal with it and move on. Have in the past. This is totally different. And it's been something that um, has just made me realize that I can't do everything by myself. Yeah. yeah. I, I would so. I would 100% agree with you on that. I think one of the things that, that I'm learning and I was literally just, I swear it was like serendipitous or something. Cause like JP, who is our guest when we were talking about depression, he messaged me this morning and was just like, Hey man, I'm just checking up on you. You doing okay. And I just like pour out, you know, just like, well, there's all this shit going on. I'm making mountains out of molehills. I'm doing all this stuff. And, and I think that one of the, one of the key pieces I'd like to think that one of the key pieces of self-care is that realization that that sometimes you can't do it on your own. You have to honor you have to honor your trauma. You have to honor I like that. Honor your trauma. You have to honor your trauma and your experiences mm -hmm. so that you can re recognize your boundaries, your values, um, where you are in life, give a name to what you've experienced so then you know where you need to start to move on. Yeah. If you don't then you could just be like that hamster in a wheel and you're just going constantly because you're not, yeah, you're not, you're not giving voice to what it is that you've experienced in the yeah. past. And so, and that's difficult to do. I think do you it has think, been for me. Do you think that by virtue of the type of field that you're in, that that also kind of lends itself to, you know, this triage of taking care of things where oftentimes you put yourself on the back burner compared to what else you've got going on? Um, I don't know. I haven't, I don't, I, I don't know. Um, maybe I, I haven't really 
given thought to that. Um, Do you put out a lot of fires at work and stuff like no, that? No, not, not really. The, okay. the population that I work with is very specific, and I've only just started. And, Chris, you know how long it takes to get licensure and then before you can you know, actually begin to see right. clients and all that. Um, and so I've only got two clients that I see regularly right mm-hmm. now, although I do assessments all the time. And, and um, I, I don't feel like that's uh, – like I leave that at the – I don't know though. Maybe I don't. Maybe I'm taking that with me everywhere I go, and I just don't realize it. Hmm. And you but. and you're just now still filling yourself out as far as that position's concerned. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've only been with I Hope since May. Um, so, and I'm doing a lot of uh, trainings and outreach. Um, so therapy, actually, the therapy that I do is um, the smallest part of my job right now. Yeah. I'm doing a lot more. Um, outreach and I go to a lot of trainings so describe um, the the Rachel that you want to be okay um, sorry well, if that's like loaded or something <laughs> like that <laughs> no uh, I like a lot of who I am hmm. but I think that has come with age I'm almost I'll be 43 next month um, and and I've, I've kind of purposefully given myself, worked for the, th- I don't know how to say this, Kalu. Uh, okay. Can I tell a little story? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> okay. When I was 34 years old, my daughter's now, she'll be 23 in December. Mm-hmm. So I raised her single parent. It's just me and her. I worked two and three jobs and went to school full time starting when I was 34. And at 34, the reason I decided to go back to school is because I was serving, I was a restaurant manager, and I just was not happy. Not that there's anything wrong with restaurant work. I just knew it's not something I wanted to do the rest of my life. And I thought, if I don't do something, this is where I'm going to be the rest of my life. So I decided, and you know, I need to set an, a better example for my child. Um, so went back to school. I uh, got a degree in anthropology in my undergrad. I double minored um, social work, gender and women's studies. Got my certificate in gender and women's studies. Through that journey, I met a lot of interesting, fabulous people, a mentor who has now since passed, Dr. Lindsay Powell. Uh, owe so much to him. Um, but in this process, I just, I set several goals. And one of the things, one of those goals was, okay, I'm going to be done with relationships. I'm not going to date. I'm not going to do anything but concentrate on my child and school. And when I set that goal, then, you know, I, and met that goal in 2010, and then I wanted to uh, go back to grad school or go to grad school uh, and get a master's degree. And so I did. And so for several years there, like nine Um, I was focusing on me and building the type of person that I want to be, which was um, self-sustainable, independent, and um, a good mother, and not having to rely on anyone but myself to to take care of me. And so I'm proud of those accomplishments. Um, It was very difficult. Where do I want to go from there? I would like to um, do more with my activism and be um, a louder voice, stronger voice for um, those less, uh, for vulnerable populations. Um, And 
I would like to be more positive because, like I said a while ago, I find myself more negative recently. Um, and I don't know. Does that answer your question at all? I, I think it does. I mean, maybe, and maybe too, I don't know exactly where exactly I want to, where I want to be. I, maybe, I don't either. So yeah. you might just kind of be <laughs> a, a pivot point in your life. Yeah. 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 I think um, for me, I'm still trying to figure out where it is that that I want to be. Like I'm lear- I'm trying to learn to I'm trying to learn more gratitude. Um, I am very goal oriented as well. Um, I'm so goal oriented that I don't think about the wins at all. I don't think about the good things. I'm like, okay, that's that happened. That's this is a good thing that happened. Uh, okay, cool. On to the next thing. And I'm, and what has happened is that I keep setting these goals and I keep putting these things in front of me and I have zero satisfaction with any of it, just none, you know? And so, uh, I'm trying to recognize the wins and as I start to slow down a little bit and recognize the wins, um, it's it's sort of putting me on the path where I think I'm trying to figure out exactly where I am uh, or where I want to be or the 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 clue that's that's out there. But I, too, don't really 100 percent know. You know, my boss had told me, like, this is this is the time in your life where you're going to start trying to wonder what exactly is your purpose there. Uh, so, Every day. Yeah. You wake up. It's <laughs> like, like, what am I doing yeah, I here? I don't know what I'm doing. Exactly. Yeah. Do you still wonder that? Yes. Every. No kidding. When I'm sitting in a therapy session sometimes with clients, I'm like, what am I doing here? I am not qualified to be talking to this person. I don't care if I have a master's degree. Might as well throw it out the window because it's not doing me any good right now. Yeah. I have no idea how to respond to this. So I always go back to person-centered and just, you know, yeah. <laughs> reflect, <laughs> affirm, yeah. validate. Person-centered <laughs> is the meat and potatoes of, like, everything that we do. Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, that that's how you have to... You look at that first, and then outside of person-centered, the next thing that I guess you look at is, I mean, you have to be realistic outside of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's a point where being person-centered can... Um, if you were If you were only person-centered constantly you have individuals who um, may or may not need a little bit more guidance than others mm-hmm. like and my population is very specific too it's you know people in personal care homes and a lot of those individuals have guardians and when somebody's got a guardian it's what the guardian says it's not what the mm-hmm. a client says but um, it, it's it's an interesting thing for me because you know I hear people talk about jousting with like being goal oriented and um, difficulties with self care. And I don't know if it's my own trauma speaking, because I know that that echoes through every part of my life. You know, I don't know if you knew, but my family was Jehovah's witness Mm. and that was not a lot of fun. (laughs) My, my, uh, my next, my closest sibling is seven years older than me, and then the other's 10, then 19. So it was just me and my mom and being a Jehovah Witness for the longest time. And that's that's a state of constant, like, stifling deprivation as far as, like, social interaction and, like, normative social behavior. So whenever I gained any modicum of personal utility, I, everything was just great. Like, everything is 
fucking fantastic. Mm-hmm. And still, I feel like I kind of ride, like, because, I mean, I guess from birth to 12 years old, I had zero personal utility whatsoever. No interaction with other individuals. And now as an adult, um, the big thing has been, and you use the term real, reel it in, is constantly trying to reel myself in because I've already surpassed what it would be to be a Jehovah's Witness. You're not raised to be an academic. You're not raised to be like a professional that puts themselves out in the community. And it's it's more you grow up and you're a good Jehovah's Witness. Mm-hmm. It's that kind of thing. So the expectation for me was not set in any way, shape, form, or fashion. I'm pretty content with what I've achieved so far and what I continue to achieve. The thing is now is recognizing maladaptive behaviors that I manifest because I'm happy like, fuck, 99% of the time I'm content as hell. Even if chaos is unfolding around me. I am um, not. Well, dude, that's... that's, that's <laughs> I will that's, sit in the flames. Well, that, that's the backbone of what I do. I think I'm, I'm best in a crisis. I'm, I'm idle if there's not a crisis to a degree. And now it's me reeling myself back in after all these years of like really exploring personal utility and trying to figure out who I was. And like we were talking to Dr. Dye, me kind of writing myself checks for like, uh, I'm entitled to behave this way or I'm entitled to do this because I grew up this way. And I I think it's a pretty common thing. I want to ask that to you, Mm -hmm. given the stuff that has happened with just just in the in the recent past, do you feel like that that there are? Do you suffer from the same things that we kind of do with the entitlements? It's and, like and I'm going to go and do this mine because was this thing happened. Uh, mine was bitterness. Sure. I will say, like it, it was me resenting the way that things happened, uh, and I felt entitled to reciprocate and put that negative shit back out there. Sure. Have you sort of reacted or responded to the world in a way that you kind of feel like you're entitled to because? Of stuff that has happened before? Uh, in the past when I was younger. Okay. That's not... I don't think so recently. Okay. Um, not since this has happened. Yeah. But, yeah, in um, yeah, in, in my younger days, I did a lot of rebelling because of things that had happened sure. or experiences that I had had. I grew up in a very conservative... Uh, my father's a Church of Christ minister. So you get yeah. it. Yeah. I do get it, <laughs> yeah. And when I fell out of that, um, it has devastated, you know, my parents in a lot of ways. They still love me and treat me the same. Yeah. Um, but we can't have too many conversations about religion because mom is crying. Yeah. And, yeah. <laughs> and daddy's like so disappointed, you can tell, because, you know, yeah. I've seen so. those conversations on <laughs> Facebook before, and I've been like, Kalu, shut up. Yeah, uh-huh. I no longer debate on Facebook. I no longer comment on people's posts. Not really fun, yeah. lighthearted stuff. But I stay away from that anymore because that was another way that I reacted to things yeah. that had happened to me in the way that I was brought up. Not that, that my parents were malicious about it in any way. It was just such a conservative sort of, Yeah. you know, we went to church all the time. And, you know, women can't have any part of the service because that's a man's job and that's man's work. And, you know, I guess you could say that my degree, my certificate in gender and women's studies was a direct response. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, response to, to yeah, my 
to some of the ways that I was brought up. So with with your specialization in, in women's studies, did they talk about how women take care of themselves, like just self-care in general? That's something that I've always, and this is truthfully why we brought you on, is because I want to be able to understand how women take care of themselves. I don't even, so with the story that you told me, just what we've been talking about, the last thing that I think of Rachel doing to take care of herself is goddamn like facials and and like foot massages and all the stuff that marketing and society kind of puts out there for what women need to be able to take care of themselves. The last thing I'm thinking of you is pampering. Right. Why is it so, why is it that way? Well, um, it's, I don't know why it is that way, but I, I, what I think is important is that any of us can do all of those little activities, right? We can all do those activities. Um, but it, is it, I think we have to ask, is it sustainable self-care? Mm-hmm. And that's the bigger question. So I can go out and get a pedicure. I don't, because I don't. You're exactly right. You know me. Mm-hmm. I'm not a facial pedicure, manicure kind of person. I don't go get massages a lot of times because it costs too much money, and I just don't have that to throw around. I'm ticklish, that's why. <laughs> it's just not my, my big thing. ass. You're going to have someone. <laughs> you be giggling up in there. <laughs> and it's not that there's anything wrong with those, but if we want to address our mental and physical health, men and women alike need to be practicing a more sustainable self-care. And you can think of it as your biopsychosocial spiritual sort of aspects of your body so biologically what can we do to practice sustainable self-care we can eat right which is not always easy for everybody to do but we can go to the gym we can get out and just move a little bit biologically that's helping us improve our body Um, emotionally if we have the ability go see a therapist if we can't, just talk to somebody about your feelings. Again, honoring that experiences that you've had, those traumas that you've had, and you know, putting it out there and speaking about it. That's healing when mm-hmm. we talk about experiences that we've had, especially ones that have hurt us. I um, also feel like a lot of women, it's very easy for them to have their, and I'm doing my air quotes, their tribe. And it's their mm-hmm. tribe of other women or people like that that they can go and talk to. How can us as men sort of be okay with having that, you know, those those group of people that you can go and not just explicitly trust and stuff like that, but people that you can go and cry to and all that kind of stuff and really feel. I think that right now there is a huge problem for us men being able to go out there and there's there's all kinds of pressure out there, just like there's pressure for, for women. But what I kind of feel is that it's easier, it seems like it's easier for women to to show that they're stressed it's about hegemonic it. masculinity i think fall in it, place exactly. yeah it's so at play you, with both things when sure. you think about pampering men don't want to think about pampering themselves because it's not masculine yeah also sorry but i have to address the use of the word tribe i'm totally against that i'm just cool. i just have to say that because i feel like that is um uh, acculturation of some sort sure. and I'm a big um, advocate for First Nations people so gotcha. I'm just not going to use that term if you want to that's totally fine I yeah. just I had to address that no no it's cool um, but for men we have to normalize self-care yeah right we've got to normalize um, what it means and so you know 
whether it's having this as self-care, like you mentioned, yeah. I think, a while ago. And so that stimulating conversation can be self-care. Um, and going to the gym and um, hanging out with friends and eating healthy and my mind's going blank and I had I was thinking of all these you know well um, you you recent and maybe it was earlier in the year you had been and correct me if I'm wrong vegan for a while right I was vegetarian, vegetarian for about okay. seven years wow mm-hmm yeah and I did that for a couple of reasons I found out I had thyroid disease and um, eating red meat was just something that the doctor said, you might just want to cut back on that. And so I thought, well, if I'm going to cut back on that, I'm going to cut back on all meat. So, yeah. uh, but then, uh, and I, I felt better. What about your mood? And then it was fine. I never, I d never felt any differences with my mood. I'm trying um, to find a, a diet or something, you know, that, that does make me feel happy. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know. If I, as soon as I find it, I, I thought or I hope that it was queso. It's not queso. <laughs> Did you try donuts? Huh? Fuck donuts. donuts, dude. No. Well, I won't do it. And, and something odd enough, and I don't even know where this fits into any of this, but, you know, whenever I am in the thick of, like, my weightlifting where mm -hmm. I'm 30 pounds heavier and, like, just constantly going, the quantity of food that mm -hmm. I have to pretty much force, force myself to yeah, eat. Dude. So I can walk around, I'm 5'6", and I can walk around at 205 pounds. And at the time, you're like, this is normal, even though no clothes ever are made for somebody that's 5'6 and 205 <laughs> <Yeah>. pounds. <laughs> and it's just... Chris it, has a wagon on him. And, yeah, and then I'm... He has I a go, wagon on him. And, and then I go... As my people say, Chris got a fat ass. I, so, I, I tear so about what... Even skinny Chris tears pants. Like, yeah, once all a the month. time, tear pants. But when I was bigger and I'm walking around and I'm, I'm going to the gym constantly and feeding myself to repair all that shit... Golly, like you go to sleep and you can't help but fucking snore. Like you know you're snoring. Like it'll wake you up because you're just so much bigger than your frame is generally used to. Since I have stopped, I stepped away from the gym for about three months or something like that and stopped having to force myself to eat to repair and stuff. God damn, it's felt good as hell. Yeah. And I'll be honest with you. I mean, it. my body's like, Chris, this is... This is what you normally should be doing. <laughs> yeah. If I endeavor to get back into the, you know, powerlifting, sure. real heavy duty, then that's something that I have to understand. But golly, like the moment that I kind of, and Dr. Dye was big on that, is listening to your body, like shutting out all the static that's around you and not accept where you're at currently as just normative. Mm -hmm. Don't take it for granted yeah. that like, okay, this is me now, like, you're not a static being. You're a plastic being that's going to change and alter over time. Is me listening to my body. My body was like, dude, you're not supposed to weigh 205 pounds. And fucking, you were talking about queso? Shit. I, I was on the queso diet. <laughs> and it was dope. But it at the same so time, I'm like, sleep apnea Jones over here. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> Just with my CPAP on crooked. <laughs> Did you have a CPAP? No, I needed one. I did. I did in my 500 days, man. Did you? Yeah, man. That thing was loud as hell, but I slept Look, like a baby. I, me and my girlfriend were joking about her getting a CPAP and me like trying to put the moves on her and whispering like, no, leave it on. <laughs> She's like, oh. <laughs> Little 
Is he Darth Vader? <laughs> I remember uh, I remember in, in college, um, we've all been in Dr. Gross's class before. Steve Gross? Yeah. yeah. Yes. So I've been, uh, I dude. remember at my, at my heaviest, I was sitting in his class and like, <laughs> y'all turn your volume down for this shit. So I'm, my head is like doing this, right? And then the, you hear this sound. I remember it perfect because it woke my big ass up. He goes, <laughs> the whole fucking class just looks at me just like, what? And I was like, cool, you're too goddamn fat. You got to change your life I'm right crying. now. I'm crying. I was like, you got to change You've your life. You've come a long way, man, because now you're eating Pizza Hut salad. I know. Fucking throwing oh, my guts up. Yeah, it was real bad. It was real bad. I mean, sometimes, like, I'm still going to snore, but, like, I think, like, I'm trying not to... Be like, oh, because I feel good right now. You know, I'm 6'5", 309. Like, I feel I feel like I'm at my, like, a good weight for me, you know? I feel strong, right? But, like, any time that I start snoring, I'm like, get your goddamn fat. <laughs> <laughs> like, you got to change your life, man. You know, I'll be sitting down or I'll be asleep at home and, like, uh, I can hear it happen, you know, where I'll be like. It's like a myclonic jerk and you're like, yeah, I'm too fat. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, oh, God, lose weight, take care of yourself. But I, I've been definitely uh, trying to figure out the right the right amount of sleeping. The, what kind of things taste Which, like? How much what, sleep do you get on average? Today I slept four hours. So and is um, that pretty common for you? Well, yeah, kind of. <laughs> and maybe it like top be. end, like six hours a lot of yeah, times. Yeah, yeah, like four hours. I um, I was doing laundry. And uh, I was also playing a little bit of video games. I, no one was like, Elizabeth was gone. She works nights. And so I don't know how to get a good schedule. And I, I'm telling you that this is part of why I can't properly take care of myself is I don't sleep very much. Mm -hmm. um, uh, I went to bed at almost five o'clock this morning. I was just folding clothes, playing games, like washing stuff. And then and also I'll, I'll blame some of it on the fact that I did work out really late. But I took too much pre-workout. So when I came home, my skin was still crawling. And so I was like, <laughs> I either need to run or do laundry. So there it is. I did laundry, but I just stayed up for so long. And then I got up at 930, and I felt pretty decent and stuff like that. But I know that one of the things that she said, uh, Dr. Dry said in the last episode, and I should have known, your body keeps the score. Mm -hmm. Your body 100% keeps the score. No matter what kind of trauma you've gone through, any sort of bad thing, any sort of good thing, your body is constantly keeping score. Mm -hmm. And I know that I have a bad score. Even even with the weight loss, even with training, even with all this other stuff, I know I've got a bad score because I don't shut down. I don't rest. What are you laughing about? I just pictured your body like playing mini golf with the little tally cards. Of course, you're up Brandon there cheating. Make that shit. Clues cheating over there. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> no, no. oh no, I that's a hole in one. I got yeah. a mole on this shit. <laughs> but yeah, I uh, I'm I'm trying to to get better about that. And there's and I keep going back to it. But I want to feel okay with getting a massage. I like I want to feel like it's like it's good. It's a good thing. Everyone that says that it's great when you get one, mm -hmm. and then you know it's. Great for getting your nails done. I chew mine, so never mind that. But like my feet, you know, just one of those things would be. It feels like. Don't act be, like you don't bite your toenails, Kalu. I can't. <laughs> Whatever. You a lie. Look, he's putting his orthopedic shoe up near his man, face. Man, fuck you, dude. These are nice <laughs> shoes, man. I got them a little dirty. 
though. God damn it, dude. You're always getting me. <laughs> it's funny. When you have big feet, you size 15, they all look like orthopedic shoes. There's like, sir, we don't have these fly ass, you know, Air Max 270s, but we got these New Balance Make America Great with Again Velcro. shoes with, Ver- with Velcro on them and shit like that. It just looks like some struggle shoes I'm fucking wearing all the time. But I bet they're comfy as hell. They are. They got these thick ass soles and shit. Like I'm walking like, like this. It's all like jacked up. But well, yeah, um, I'm definitely trying to to figure out um, just going out there and, and and feeling. It's not even so much. Well, it is because of like marketing, but it's like feeling like I deserve it. Did you scr- struggle with that? Feel like you deserve some kind of pampering or self care or being able to go out there and take care of yourself? Yeah, I think so. Um, my therapist actually said to me earlier in the week. She said. Um, Well, I don't know how she, I can't remember how she put it, but just um, allowing myself to feel Mm. what it is that I'm feeling. Um, And then, and I guess that goes back to what I was saying about just sort of honoring whatever it is that you've been through, um, because maybe that would help with the guilt. Um, I've been so focused on trying to do this new job and um, find other interests and not allowing myself and I to, um, sorry, I'm not able to, I'm, I'm struggling to articulate what it is I'm trying to say. It's like all up here, but I, I can't say it. That's why, we, that's why I like what we do. Yeah. It's like making sausage. So. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, regroup. Okay, so yes, I think that I do feel guilty sometimes because I should not be feeling this way because I'm strong. And I don't, I, I, I shouldn't be feeling this. I should be better than this. I, mm. um, I, I know better. I've, you know, been alone in for since I was 18, basically. Um, I've raised a, an amazing child. Um, I've, you know, been through this, this, and this. So, yeah. Do you think that, <laughs> and this is going again with your... Uh, your specialization in gender studies and just what I know of you as being a a feminist. Like, Mm -hmm. do you think that there is a point in your, in your resolve where it's, where you talk about being strong and all that kind of stuff and you feel yourself with so much of that. Do you think that there is a point where it becomes counterproductive where there are moments like this? And I'm saying this, this for guys too. guys are supposed to be, Macho, this all, but when you have these moments of of what is perceived weakness, you feel like you're not supposed to yeah. have that. Don't you think that that maybe even hegemonic masculinity? That's just another, yeah. Ma- that at least partially another manifestation of that. Because when you have such an over encompassing weight of hegemonic masculinity, you know, if if you're trying to actively combat that, that's a hell of a burden in and of itself. Mm-hmm. Right. Would you say that there's hegemonic femininity then? Like no, wait, I, I, okay, no, th- no, that's not possible. That's like reverse racism. Okay, right. I'm 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 trying to just yeah. I want to I want to talk it, about all this because this since masculinity is considered the normative, like sure. that's yeah. the the rubric in a in a patriarchal society. It's not possible to have hegemonic femininity. Okay. Everything is going to be a a Compared late latent effect yeah, of the um, hegemonic masculinity. Sure. But I do think that women can harm themselves, like you're saying. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, being too confident in our, or not confident, but 
being so feminist that we're not allowing ourselves to learn from um, men Mm -hmm. um, or uh, just allowing them into our lives and getting close to them, especially when someone like me who's had a lot of bad experiences with men. Mm -hmm. Um, I have yet to be in a successful relationship and I'm 42 and I know, I know that that's not just the man's fault. I acknowledge that I played a part in that. Um, but with the exception of one man, I have never been in a relationship with someone who hasn't cheated on me Mm. and, or been into like a drug addict, um, and, or was, physically, emotionally, and sexually violent with me. Jesus. So. Sorry. No, it it makes me feel like a piece of shit right now. (laughs) I just, I'm like. No, I don't. Sorry. No, no. No, don't be sorry. I'm not expecting that. Um, So, yeah, we can. And before I go on, thank you for even... No, that's fine. Thank you for even talking about this with us. Oh, no, it's... um, Yeah, okay. Um, So, yeah, sometimes we as women... No, I'm not going to speak for women. I'm going to speak for myself. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I just... I was in such a good place before I met my husband this last... Mm-hmm. relationship that I was in, I was in such a good place. And then <clears throat> the relationship happened organically. And so then when this ended up happening again to mm-hmm. me, I was so angry Yeah, because I was like, I was in such a good place. I was happy. I was in an academic setting all the time. And I was with people of like mind and we could have stimulating conversations and think critically about things. And that was just all very inspiring for me. And I was doing a lot of activism and I was, um, traveling and just, well, not traveling like abroad, but traveling, you know, sorry, going places and doing things with my activism and then met him. And it sort of kept me in this one place again, but that's okay. Cause I was so excited and yeah. I wanted to see him. And then he ended up doing this and it has, I feel like it has broken me to a point. Mm. Um, so I forgot what the question was, but, um, well, do you feel like, and I'm, I'm, this may be even a stupid question that, since you were in such a good place that it's almost as though you invested and gave the best of yourself. And I don't want to say that wasn't good enough, but it didn't, there was no return whatsoever. The return on that investment of the totality of the best of yourself. Mm -hmm. And I can imagine, and, and I know from personal experience when I have given the best of myself and I feel as though I've fallen short or something hasn't worked out it's far more devastating because you don't really have an out. Yeah. Right. You can't really say, well, I could have done this differently or something like that. And it's hard, even if even if you take the onus, even if you're the one that has, oh, well, I could have done something differently to have changed this, it gives you something tangible to kind of look to. But when you've done everything seemingly right and it still falls to shit... Mm-hmm it leaves a lot of fucking questions mm-hmm. and it makes you question yourself and yep. everyone around you. Yeah. Yep. That, <clears throat> that makes me think of the, um, <clears throat> my, my first real, uh, re- 
relationship. It was, you know, six and a half years or something like that. And we talked about it where, you know, there was a problem with me being black. You know, I thought that I did everything right. I thought that I brought my best self forward. I thought that I was taking all the right steps and everything. And it's I, almost I, like that you acknowledged that, that that was an issue and you felt as though that you had tr- successfully transcended exactly. that. Transcended that. Exactly. Which is a fucked up thing to begin with. It that is. You feel like you have to transcend your race yeah. in order to like mm-hmm. fit into something. And so when, when that didn't work out, when I saw that it wasn't going to change and then when, when that ended, there was a lot of, and even it did end on my terms, you know what I'm saying? But, even that part right there, it was like there was there was nothing. I felt that there was nothing that I could have done better. Like there wasn't an out. So my way of trying to get past it was literally just completely changing myself. That was part of the stuff that fueled the weight loss, you know, completely changing all that kind of stuff. And I remember the, the therapy sessions that I would go to um, after... At, at the point where I had lost like I was, I had lost right about maybe like 175, 180 pounds right there, and I was starting to see a therapist, and he was just like, "You felt like you lost a person, and you shed that person, and so you still are dealing with a lot of like anger and all this other stuff and resentment and and everything like that." And um, I could even feel myself sort of <clears throat> starting to, because when you get I think this is a this is totally a guy thing. When you change physically for the better, you start to you realize, and I, I, maybe some women do it too, that you get more you get more attention, kind of right. People start looking at you more. Yeah, I think that's across you, the board, bro. And you you almost take on a little bit of a. I don't want to. It's I hate using the term like predator, but you can go. Oh, I can talk to any. I can talk to any girl. I can do whatever. You have this weird confidence. And so part of me going to that therapy was getting ahead of it because I was like, I don't want to turn this shit. I don't want to turn into a fucking monster or something like that. I think I've, and and I could be just pulling this out of my ass. I think I've heard it referred to as like a butterfly complex, something like that. Like you feel as though your outward appearance has changed so profoundly that your, who you are internally Mm -hmm. manifests itself differently. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I got way more confident, started getting cocky. I'm still kind of, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm totally still cocky. But <laughs> I mean, there's like a lot of that stuff started um, showing up there. And like I said, to get ahead of it, um, that, that's when I started going to, to therapy. But even then, I thought that I was taking care of myself by, um, by going and working out. And yes, here's, I, I do believe there's two selves. There's your physical body self, but then there's the everything else inside of there. And that's the other self. I think that one of the places where we, a lot of us get confused is that you think that by working out or by eating better, you're actually taking care of yourself on the inside. And I've seen people, at, I've seen fucked up people <clears throat> at the gym. I've seen people lifting weights with tears. Everybody in their eyes. that's in the gym. Every, like, yeah, most people every in the gym person are up. Yeah. that you walk into is jousting yeah. some shit, probably. Yeah. yeah. And so that is, again, I keep re- repeating it, but that's still something that I'm trying to, to understand and grasp. And, and it's, I've, my nature is that I make things more complicated than they need to be. But, 
I have to start with the basics, and it's just for me, it's just breathing. Well, what I always think about, and I know that this is not the end all be all. I mean, it's just a psychological model, but like Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Mm -hmm. And I think in modernity, to look at any kind of thing like that, it's easy to look at in terms of a diagram. If you Google Maslow's hierarchy of needs, it's like the food guide pyramid, pretty much. Well, psychosocial stuff absolutely doesn't work in a linear way. It just fucking doesn't. So your hierarchy of needs is more of a dynamic thing that fluctuates and it can, you know, one area of your life can suffer and it has a reciprocal relationship on something else in your life. Mm -hmm. But I think overwhelmingly something that our society, the point that a lot of us have reached whenever, you know, you know, everybody in this room has a roof over their head, a means to pay the bills, um, any number of things that a lot of people on this planet would take for granted, yeah. would would love, and, and we take it fucking for granted. So a big focus on the hierarchy of needs for us at this point is self-actualization. Mm. And I think, and a lot of what you say, Kalu, makes me think of that you're just kind of in a natural battle to reach self-actualization. Like you've you've accomplished a lot of the things that are on the hierarchy of needs. And don't get me wrong. I mean, nutrition can always be tweaked, sleep patterns, things like that. But a lot of the things you say directly relate to self-actualization. And I know a lot of the shit that I joust with, which I don't really, I mean, I'm pretty content most of the time, but the Chris stuff. like, I'm just goddamn perfect. No, I, I'm, I just don't give a fuck, you know? In my professional life. There's the pyramid that Chris is talking about. But Chris is sitting on top of it. Yeah, I'm like, I don't know. Y'all come on. Y'all come on up here. I mean, really, I do struggle to give a fuck sometimes. Because I am content with simple shit. And I think that 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 is a healthy way that I've rerouted my trauma. There's some negative shit, too. And then a lot of it is just the socialization process. Rachel knows my family. The Kilborns are not at any loss for confidence, either. There's yeah. not a fucking Kilborn that you could be like, oh, they're very shy and reserved and <laughs> humble. Yeah. It's just not socialized in us to, to be that. And I have seen it, the reflection of myself and my siblings or the reflection of myself and my, my uh, parents. And I'm like, well, fuck, that's, that's me and I need to work on that shit because I don't like when my sister talks to me like that. I probably need to joust with that shit a little mm-hmm. bit. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that, I, I think... Overwhelmingly, it's the self-actualization portion that a lot of us are dealing with. And I think Rachel making a point of saying that, you know, she comes from a place of privilege. I think that that serves enormous utility for all of us to make that acknowledgement that we are in a privileged position, that we even have the ability, the clarity to see I need to work on myself. Because you can't work on yourself if you don't have running fucking water or lights turned on or you don't know where your meal's coming from. It's survival. So once we get out of that survival mode, and and that's where a lot of our clients, or a lot of my clients in particular, are in that constant state of, and and I think it was Dr. Dye that was talking about fight or flight. Mm. Mm -hmm. And... It's you being in that rattled cage all the time. There's absolutely no way to work on self care if you're residing in that rattled cage. Yeah. So if you're even at a point where you have this kind of existential crisis, or you're working on self actualization, making the fundamental acknowledgement that you're in a privileged place, I think, is a great point to start from. Could we? Could we all sort of? Maybe. Maybe I'm asking the wrong thing. 
but I feel like it would help me if could we all sort of break down some of the things that we need, like our hierarchy of needs right now? But you mean like outside of? Yeah, like, yeah. Like, like if, if I were to say, stuff? like, talk about what what does Chris need right now in his life? And again, outside of like the food, water, that yeah, kind yeah, of yeah. stuff. Um, acknowledgement, and I think that that's a big that's across the board. I don't think that there's any human. And, and we've talked about it a lot, like you being a fixer, and in reality, and and she and I, it's a big part of our job, it's not necessarily to fix any number of things, it's, it's to make an acknowledgement that somebody, even if the way they're feeling isn't exactly the way that you see things, it's the acknowledgement that their feelings hold validity. Exactly, that's what I was going to say, validate. Yeah. I think I, I think as far as like the self-actualization portion, I think that is the biggest fucking thing for me with interpersonal relationships is acknowledgement. Just like yeah. I see you. And that makes me feel <laughs> tapped in because otherwise I'm pretty motherfucking low maintenance. I'm self-motivated. I found, find satisfaction in my own achievements outside of like somebody else lauding them. But that from the people that you hold dear <clears throat> goes a million miles. The dangerous portion of that is um, expectation. Placing expectation on someone, and then if if that expectation isn't met, and it can be something totally arbitrary, you get offended, and then you have this negative reaction to it that's not only harmful to your relationship, but to you in general. Yeah, I think that expectation that kind of gets piggybacked onto acknowledgement can be a precarious thing. Sure. But what do you need, Rachel? Mindfulness. Definitely something I'm working on right now. Um, <clears throat> being more intent with what it is that I say and what it is that I do and being more aware of where I am, the moments, um, and, and just taking the time to acknowledge those things and use that to benefit my mental health. And so that's I bought a book. Yeah. on mindfulness and I'm trying to talk to my therapist about sure. it uh, because I think we have so many distractions yeah. with phones and social media and mm-hmm. uh, you know just mindlessly watching Netflix binging shows and we're not appreciating I'm not appreciating um, that you know there's oh there's a, just simple things like listen to the bird that's outside my window right now mm-hmm. it sounds so nice and sometimes I'll catch that and I'll turn off whatever it is that I'm doing and listen to that for just a few minutes and I feel so much better. Yeah. You know, or <clears throat> being more mindful of when I'm having a conversation with someone and listening to what it is that they're saying rather than waiting for them to stop so that I can respond mm-hmm. to what it is that they yeah. are saying. Um, and I do that a lot. That's a an issue that I have, interrupting people, things of that nature. So, um, yeah, mindfulness mostly. Do you think that for, and, I, and I'm sorry to, to go back to it, but like given the stuff that has happened, do you think that you've kind of had to hit the reset button on you? Like you've almost gone back into a shell and you're mm-hmm. having to, it's almost like all this stuff, all the positive Rachel and that, that Rachel that brought herself, her, her best self all the time, it's almost like she's gone now and you have to start from bare bones again. Do you think that's where you are? I know that she's not gone. Uh-huh. Um, 
I know that the old Rachel, the Rachel that I had gotten to, is in there. Mm-hmm. And it's just, um, she's a little vulnerable right now. Yeah. And uh, so she's put up some defenses. Yeah. And I know that I can get back to where I used to be. Um, but it is going to take work. I just don't trust people <laughs> the way yeah. that I did. Um, <clears throat> and I'm just guarded more so. Of course, it's, you know, the divorce just happened. Um, so it's not like I'm looking sure, for a relationship sure. right now. But I even, I think that even if, if and when that ever happens again, I don't know, man. I, I, I don't have a lot of hope for it right now. Yeah. <laughs> that be yeah. just because... Um, I just don't see it. I just don't see it happening. And it would be totally my fault. A man and or woman, whatever, could you know approach me with the best of intentions and have all that they could be perfect. But because of what I've experienced and that wall that I've put up, yeah. yeah. Well, it shakes your whole perception of reality, it does. doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's so disappointing that to know that people can be so manipulative mm-hmm. and deceitful and you don't see that yeah you don't you know so i think to for to go about the things that i need i think it's it is acknowledgement and and i i've said it just like a couple minutes ago that i'm like that i'm cocky and you know all that other kind of stuff but like there's there's so much going on in my head with with just trying to okay it starts from many other places right so it starts from growing up poor like really poor we were we were on welfare and all that kind of stuff and there's never enough money there's just never enough because like you feel like you got to help everyone and you feel like you've got to try and like how can i you know, help my mom and dad, or how can I help all these other people? And then there's this like guilt there when, when you can't, I have this idea, like I need to be able to give them this many thousand dollars or something like that, or I'm a fucking failure. And when you can't do that, you just saddle yourself with tons of grief, not, not, not grief, uh, guilt, guilt, sorry. So for me, I, and I've said it before, I'm trying to recognize the small wins and for me i need someone to help me recognize the the little things that i've done right because i'm not going to i go for the big you know the big wins and i think that for to be able to get to those big wins or maybe you need to step back i can't remember who it was that told me this might have been jp or something like if you step back and sort of see and i think this is for all of us if you step back and sort of see your life from a 10,000 foot view, 30,000 foot view, it is a big win. You know, it's, it's a bunch of things that have happened and, you know, we're all, um, we all have scars and shit like that on us, but like that tells a story. And like, if, if any of us are even remotely happy with the person that is here right now, then it's a good goddamn story. Like that's just what it is, and it's it's really hard when you are. I think is it you that says it like can't see the forest, trees through the forest or a forest can't see the forest for the trees. Yeah, yeah. So like when you're down in the thick of it and you're in the, you know, you're down so far in the weeds of of all the, 
you know, the minutia of life, it's really hard sometimes to see like, hey, you're actually not that bad. Well, what was the, and I think it was Gross's class, multiple classes, but the uh, people that had lived in the cave their entire life and Mm -hmm. the only thing that they had as a frame of reference was like the uh, silhouettes on the cave wall. Mm -hmm. And then it, you know, with them having that perspective, if somebody were to go and communicate with them anything outside of that, it makes it pretty goddamn difficult. Like, yeah. the perspective is an enormous portion of it. Um, I, I think, and I always go back to this shit because I'm not entirely an anti-capitalist, but I'm a whole lot of kind of an anti-capitalist because it's the pervasive impact of it. But I think that we are sold this fucking narrative as participants in this rat race that we have... And humans are are already inclined to think in terms of cause and effect. Yeah. Like, I do this. In animals, from a cognitive standpoint, it's referred to as superstitious behavior, but it's pretty much the same fucking thing with humans. But we think that we have to do something or find someone in order to attain happiness, when in reality, happiness is a state of mind that's native to us that we have to come to internally. That's why I said I feel like I have to give something to my right because it's we like sacrificial up, fucking offering yeah, yeah. for your your contentment because what i grew up seeing was like because i'm a first generation american the first That's thing that we do thing, when dude. we get a little bit of money you send it back home mm-hmm. and so while my dad's thing is to build that or make that bond between nigeria and bowling green kentucky I feel like my job is to create something here in Bowling Green, Kentucky, because all these families have their, you know, they have their roots here for years and stuff like that. We're just getting started. So it's like part of the other guilt for me is that I don't have the connection that I'd like with Nigeria because I'm trying to build something up here just so our name can get caught up with the Wyatts. So our name can get caught up with the Kilbournes. And stuff like that. You see what I mean? Yeah. So th- there's a different type of... I think that we all have some kind of a pressure like that. I, I just feel like mine's a little bit different. Oh, dude, the, the children of immigrants, mm-hmm. it's... Overwhelmingly, that seems to be a pattern. It's uh, the, the closest thing that it made me think of. My mom is 77 years old. She'd be mad as fuck if she knew I was like saying that on my podcast. <laughs> she's 77 years old. She's still killing it. But she was raised by someone who resided in the Depression era. And she also grew up on a rural, you know, a farm in uh, Summershade, Kentucky. Yeah. So they like save bread ties and like bread bags. And it never gets motherfucking used. All this just arbitrary shit just seems to pile up. But it's very much just a product of being raised by an individual whose priorities were set in terms of survival during the Depression era. Mm. With, you know, being first-generation Nigerian-American, there's that pressure, that same survivalistic pressure to set your roots down, accrue resources, make something of yourself, and that's that's even beyond the whole cultural element. It's like being, being Nigerian is very much a point of pride. Yeah. But... But when you come here, there's, I see it in my head as like the Wyatt Empire, the Kilborn Empire. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah, my shit crumbled and fell. I don't, <laughs> we don't, the Kilborn Empire, that motherfucker's dead. I, you, you get what I'm saying? Yeah. It's yeah, like it's, Road Warrior type uh, shit yeah, with us yeah. right now. I'm just, I'm trying, that's, people that's got in PhDs and they ain't even happy. <laughs> I know. <right? laughs> but that's the kind of, 
that's the kind of uh, stuff that I that I deal with. But the recognition, like you said, that I also do need is just recognizing, hey, like you're you're on the right path. And maybe for me, it's like maybe your job is not to be the end all be all. You're just supposed to get it started, just yeah. like how my dad was. Yeah. Like and Facilitate. little by little, you know, you build something. But again, well, and the goal, I guess, to a degree, is to raise. Uh, you know, when you pass on and, and instill whatever cultural values or, or just social values in, in general that are endemic to yeah. Kalu is to mitigate the kind of, I don't want to call it neurosis, but the, the anxiety that pushes you to be so exceptional isn't necessarily going to serve someone in a different context the same way. Sure. You know, just like saving bread ties or whatever. And I, I think whenever we have children and I, I don't have children, so I can't, I can't speak on it to too much of a degree, but overwhelmingly I've heard people say that it's, you know, pass on the things that hold merit that have proven to hold merit, especially the things that you've seen passed on from your parents and then kind of slough away or, or shed the things that are a burden or weighing down you and then, potentially subsequently your children. But you can't help but traumatize motherfuckers. If you're around somebody for any amount of time, you're going to you're going to traumatize you're somebody. You're going to fuck them up a little bit. Yeah, that's just kind of what fucking happens. You you pick up collateral trauma from the people that you're yeah. around. Yeah. Um and it's again, it's your responsibility or I say it's my responsibility. I won't you you were doing a really good job of not speaking for the totality yeah, of yeah. humankind. I make that mistake. I'm like, I, I do it all do the fucking. Shit. It is our duty. <laughs> yeah, I feel like it's my responsibility. Yeah. I have decided it's my responsibility to try to mitigate as much trauma, uh, potentially that I could pass on to somebody that's a loved one in my life. That's mm-hmm. that's one of my biggest responsibilities, and I fucking fail at it. But then you learn from each one of those failures, and if somebody's still around when you're being a turd, then you're lucky. Yeah, but take the measures to change it a little bit. Yeah, yeah. All right, I, I, and Brandon. Huh? Oh yeah. You know, I forgot to say that you just. Oh, and Brandon in the background's here. Uh, Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Totally. He wandered in. Yeah, he wandered in. What What do you need, Brandon? Well, along with acknowledgement, like I mean, you guys have already gone over it, but I did talk to my can I district manager at one point because I just I was really down in the dumps at work and. She's like, you're not always going to have somebody there to acknowledge you. It's on you sometimes. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you just have to pick yourself up and just, you know, give it to your employees at least. Like, put it out. Like, give them what you want. So I've been trying to work on that. Um, focus mm-hmm. is something I need because life is just moving so fast for me right now. And it, it's really you're hard for to me. Move. To, it's really hard for me to slow down and just be like, all right, Brandon, focus on this. Do this part. You'll get to this next part. I just see everything coming at me so fast, and I just want to curl up sometimes in a ball and just. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what to do half the time. So. So have have you been suffering when it comes to taking care of yourself? Oh, definitely, definitely. Yeah. Uh, my wife starts her new job on Monday, mm-hmm. and so it's. I'm not going to say it's all on me to just get this entire house packed up, but 
It's along all with you. work and, and I'm not all kinds you. of other stuff. No, no, it's, it's okay. You know, I own a moving company, but you better pay me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you, gotta pay. you probably got to pay me, too. I might be more expensive. I'm, I'm jealous of my time, so. Sorry. Who would do it for two cheeseburgers? No. Damn. I can get that shit for like a dollar now at Sonic, man. Yeah, Ezel. Get out of here, Ezel. Figure it out. Get out of here, Ezel. <laughs> Where are you moving to? Uh, New Albany. Okay. And so uh, it's, it's a change. I've never lived outside of the state. You know Indiana is the asshole of the, of the Midwest, right? <laughs> you know they make fun of us, too? Huh? <laughs> a lot. Hey, my credit score drops when I go into Indiana. <laughs> like, as soon as you cross that bridge, it's like, Ooh, yeah. But just trying to focus on being an adult, I don't. I still struggle with that all the time. <laughs> I feel like just a big kid half the time. Well, <laughs> some of those values are kind of arbitrarily assigned. It's like yeah. a continuum. You know, we're always changing and developing. It's like... <laughs> Rachel, do you do you think that a change of scenery would help you? Yeah, um, I have not been on a. Va- I've been on one vacation in eight years. Wow. Uh, <laughs> yeah, um, but that's what happens when you're you know poor, uh, and now uh, just I don't have the time. Yeah. Really. Um, would you Would you move to a different state? Yes, I have a couple of. My mother's from Colorado. And oh, I have a God. lot of family there. I love, I love it there. <laughs> yeah, um, I would. Ooh. And I'm also trying to visit Vermont. Yeah. Because I'm, I really love the cold weather. Yeah. I'm a cold weather kind of person. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, and plus, it's just beautiful there. Yeah. Uh, well, from what I've seen, I've mm-hmm. never been there personally. So that's been something else that I have considered doing. But I think about, like, my parents are still here. Mm-hmm. And... You know, my sister and my brother's pretty close, and all of my friends are here. And I feel like um, my friend Erin Garner, you know, Erin, mm-hmm. she made a, or Hopkins now, sorry, she made a good point one time. She was contemplating moving when she first graduated um, from the nurse anesthetist program. Why did they make that word like that? That's stupid. It's you so know what I'm saying? Like, to say. it, yeah. <laughs> So, and she and Jason were, you know, contemplating moving and she actually got a job offer in North Carolina or South Carolina somewhere. And she was just talking to me about it. And she said, you know, I've about decided we're not going to go. And they didn't. She said, because when you get to a certain age, it's really difficult to make new friends. Not that you can't, we can't become friends, but you're established. You have your established, you know, we have game nights or we do this with my friends. They know all the old stories. We can sit around and laugh about that. When you go someplace new and you meet new people, you're not in their story. You're not, you know, and you can create new, but it's just more difficult when you get older. Mm-hmm. So I've thought about that um, in terms of moving. And, you know, I would really miss people like Aaron and Miranda and yeah. the, you know, the friends that I made in my cohort. Mm-hmm. So I would just like to have enough money so that I can travel whenever sure. I want to. Um Unfortunately, that's probably not going to happen as a social worker. Uh, <laughs> it sucks, man. <laughs> you can <laughs> sell drugs. Just <laughs> sell drugs. <laughs> no, I, you know, one of the things that that I've always, I've, and I've said it before, is that there's something that I really like about being no one, about going to a place where I don't have, like, it, 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 not trying to sound, but it's Bowling Green. You know what I mean? Like, 
everyone knows everyone. It's liberating. Yeah, it's a- anonymity liberating. or whatever yeah, is liberating. It really is the same. The same way that, and I know this sounds like some corn dog bullshit, but like the same way that like looking up at the night sky when it's like that'll fucking terrifies me. But yeah, it doesn't. Yeah, yeah. Get, I said it last. You'd be week. afraid of feeling super insignificant. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, like you stare at like oh god, like I can do it for a little bit, but like there's a certain <laughs> point where I'm like. House. I start to wonder, like, I don't matter at all. Like, all this awesomeness is happening So fucking here, comforting to me. My life doesn't mean a damn thing, you know? And, like, that's not good for people like me. Yeah, it, it was <laughs> helpful for me because I otherwise my existential dread would kick in. Like, I remember being a little kid and I wouldn't have my homework done yeah. the night before class. And I'm like, I'm going to get in a bunch of trouble. And then I just start thinking about existence. And I'm like, you know what? None of this motherfucking matters. It's fine. <laughs> you were advanced then. <laughs> no. I was something, scared. Something. But I was saying that like a, a, a change of scenery for me, and I think for a lot of people, you have this, there comes this point where you're like, what am I really doing this for? What am I staying here for? And what am I leaving for? And that was sort of why I asked you if you've thought about like, just going to to another area. Not that I'd like you to leave because it's, I think you're a great person to have here, especially when you were talking about your activism and all that kind of stuff. I really want you to get back into that if, mm-hmm. if at all possible. But like, do you think though that for the sake of your self-care, maybe living in a different area would help? I feel like that is good for a lot of people, but some people view it as running from something, but some people can view it as like transitioning towards something better. Sure. Um, I think that it would just be a risk yeah. now, that I don't know that I would be willing to take right now because would the isolation actually make me feel worse? Oh, I, I got I you. Don't, I don't know. Um, I like that my daughter, my daughter lives in that house at the end of your street. She lives on Liberty. This one? She's on Liberty. So if oh, you go oh. all the way to yeah. the where you turn on, you know, mm-hmm. yeah. she's she's right there. Oh, no kidding. And uh, now I just told however many people where my daughter lives. Yeah. But anyway. <laughs> um, and people. I'm I'm on Nutwood. So yeah. we're very close, you know. Yeah. Uh, I don't I she is the one thing that has been constant in my life since she's been here on yeah. this earth. Um and is the one person that supports me one hundred percent of the time. Yeah. Uh, but also calls me out yeah. when I'm wrong. Um, and so I don't know that I could be away from her. Sure. If she would pack up and come with me, yeah. uh, then, okay, we, you know, I could talk about that. Yeah, but, yeah. Um, no, that's cool. That's cool. Well, and I think it, it's, it's very important, the fact that she said it's a risk. Mm-hmm. Any of these endeavors, you can't just look at it in those super like black and white linear times. You know how many people just leave? Like they just get the fuck out. You know, I've when never I went understood to, that. I well, can't do it. Well, when I, anytime if I'm at San Francisco, that's where there's a lot of tech conferences and shit like that. Like you talk to anyone there, no one there is from there. Like it is like, it's like a safe haven, mm-hmm. that city. And it's, you know, I've taught, I've sat in bars and I'd be like, Hey, what, you know, what brought you to this area? One person was like, I, one one guy I talked to, he was like, uh, I'm from Lexington, Kentucky, actually. I came out to my parents, didn't go well, so I moved to mm-hmm. to here, uh, to San Francisco. I talked to another guy. Um, he he was from Chicago, wanted a new life. So he, they came here. Like, it's just one of those places where I feel like it would, if you found, if anyone could find a place 
like that that's not so goddamn expensive like San Francisco that's like almost like a safe There are conservative seems- people listening to this. There's this rolling their eyes all inside of their head right that's now. That's cool. Golly. <laughs> I don't give a shit about them. But uh, I had that same experience in Denver. Just like talking every- to anybody. They're just like, yeah, I'm not, I'm not from here. Like, it's like a safe haven. Yeah. And I think that I would like to see if there's any kind of a study done with like happiness or anything like that, just or levels or I don't know if there's a way to for people to report happiness, but maybe reporting levels of depression and all that kind of stuff. Oh yeah, the, there's and being able there's, to see if that's higher or lower. There's been it's been some pretty meaningful studies done on happiness. That's been you know you take several variables and then you index them and yeah. you get a value and you use that. But um, yeah, there's. There's been some pretty, I guess, seemingly objective measures yeah. of happiness that have been conducted. And a lot of those pla- the places that you're talking about that are kind of hubs of individuals that are looking for mm-hmm. something else or looking for a new start, the overreaching cultural environment of those places seems, the tone seems to be centered around welcoming and acceptance and diversity of thought and things like that. You don't see the same things. People aren't flocking to areas where you have really incredibly rigid social structures. Sure. sure. Oh man, this was a, this was a really good talk, Rachel. I, I 100% like, I'm glad that you came on here. And the one thing that I learned is that we aren't that far, we aren't that far apart. Um, and I will say men and women, as far as like self care, that it's, we all go through like we all need to take care of ourselves and i don't know exactly what it is but it's i don't think that it's the pampering thing i I think that that's just a way to make money you know audra lord she said that taking care of myself is not self-indulgence it is um self-preservation yeah and that is an act of political warfare God I, damn. Oh, that's good. It is yeah, really good. Yeah, right there. Yeah. And so I think especially for people of color mm-hmm. and women, um, that is especially powerful um, because we are ruled by this patriarchy that has kind of got its foot on our neck. And mm-hmm. so that self-care... Um, it's it's important for us to you know so that we push through and and yeah I should have just left it at the quote because you can't do better than that well, quote no no but. I think that that's I just, but it's and it's a Eurocentric yes. um, patriarchy as mm-hmm. well right. I mean and that's that's mm-hmm. one of the fundamental elements even things like and not to go down the rabbit hole even things like people being so adamant about not using slang mm-hmm. as though that that's something to look down upon when in mm-hmm. actuality it's just diverse vernacular people can code switch however they see fit yeah, and switch, it yeah. shows a high level of intelligence a lot of times when people can imbibe in that type of speaking and then the also use the more eurocentric kind of terms but um i was i was gonna ask rachel something and i totally fucking forgot well, i've been forgetting being... the whole time i've been sitting no, here no so no it's, it's and i cried so. uh, no, no. <laughs> that was <laughs> that was dope though yeah, and i don't mean that, that was... like like i'm glad you cried but i just <laughs> i appreciate you being candid and yeah. coming on here and yeah it, it really means a lot you know that oh to see that you can actually be comfortable with us in that's what i was i was gonna ask like feeding off of what you said do you think that, like like you were saying, we, we had an episode on male self-care, and now we have an episode that was geared more towards female self-care. Do you, do you believe that 
that it's most of these differences or the fact that we even would dichotomize those are overwhelmingly just socially constructed. Yeah, it's just perspective. It's just the stereotyping. Um, if you are really interested in self-care and helping, like then any self-sustaining self-care is just that. Just validate it, normalize it, and do it. And don't worry about how anyone perceives it. Whatever makes you feel good. Yeah. <laughs> You know, just do that. And I know it's easier said than done. We worry about other people's perceptions of us, but. um, You use the perfect term. What if we just start calling it self-sustaining? Like that removes, in my opinion, everything, every bit of every social construct or any, any kind of opinion toward it, like self-sustaining for that helps for me because I, I view things very logical and like self-sustaining, like yeah, it's yeah, and mm-hmm. I deal with a lot of absolutes in, in many occasions. But like, when you, when I hear the term self-sustaining, it's more of like I view myself as a system. Yeah, and I'm just doing like this is what I need to do to be able to not crash or to be able to right. do this, that, or the other. That that's what you just said. That radically just changed everything for me. I just be like. Oh, I'm sustaining and, myself. And, mo- and most of that it. shit is just native to you. It's yeah. not seeking things it's, outside yeah. of yourself to find validity. Mm-hmm. You you find it internally. That's the objective. I have a feeling I'm going to start doing like weird shit. Like you, you, like, are, don't you worry, already do weird Why shit. Are you what are you talking about? <laughs> Why are you sticking your head in the microwave? Self-sustaining, babe. I'm good. <laughs> It feels good. It feels fucking great. You know, I'm just gonna be doing some crazy ass stuff. Man. Well, we were talking. At, did you hear last week's? podcast where Kalu, Kalu was talking about like or Dr. Dow was talking about we'll it's natural for humans to be to be bored and they were like yeah Kalu's gonna schedule an hour a day to be <laughs> <Yeah>. bored <laughs> you call him up be like what are you doing I can't talk man I'm bored right now I'm being bored <laughs> leave me alone <laughs> trying to come up with cool shit <laughs> alright let's uh let's go to our shameless shouts do you have any shameless shouts that you want to Say for anyone, like, I love you, thank you, fuck you, anything like that? Oh, um, yes, always and forever. Thank you to my daughter, Hannah Emberton, mm-hmm. um, who, like I mentioned a while ago, has been my biggest supporter and is always there for me no matter what. Yeah, cool, cool. And I learned so much from her. Good. She's such an advocate for so many different uh, important concerns and yeah. issues that we have. She told me last night, she said, I will be the next AOC. Hey, I love it. Okay, yeah, yeah, I love it. Yeah. What about you? Well, um, as always, we have to give a shameless shout shout out to our a hole buddy. I was gonna say our a hole buddy Tyler Young at Grade Eight Performance. Um, Last time I checked, I think he had two online coaching spots that were available. I removed the the password to his website, so you guys can jump on and. And look at stuff. I said his password to his website to Dick Cheeseburger, so <laughs> no one could have been able to guess well, it but me. Now, what so, is it? What is his website? www.greateightperformance.com. Okay, well that's easy enough. Your so boy made it. Shout out to him. Uh, shout out to uh, Kentucky Grapplers. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Jason Herring down there. He's uh, instructing kickboxing. Great fucking teacher. Cool, Excellent. Cool. Makes it fun. It's brutal. He'll come by and hit you in the liver, but. <laughs> he's a great guy, and he's a QMHP as well. Oh, yeah. That's cool. Um, I, I want to give a, a new shout-out to uh, to Jenny Fowler. Uh, her account is uh, at ShopJaneWolf. Um, she's going to be uh, creating a new logo for us, so um, I'm excited to be or able a, to... Or a logo in general? 
pretty yeah funny. yeah yeah pretty much <laughs> all i know is that I, I sent money to her so i'm just we're just sort of waiting so i'm excited to see whatever she uh whatever she comes up with um she's she's someone that i just i just i trust her art i've seen her work and I'm just looking forward to the she stuff that she did. She's my neighbor, too. Yep, so. yep. She yep. was mine, too, when I lived yep. when I She lived said she didn't like you, though. Yeah, she said. I liked your dog, though. Huh? She's she like, I don't like him green-eyed boys. <laughs> <laughs> them green-eyed colored boys. I, I don't, don't like trust him. He looks like he steals. <laughs> he does. <laughs> but, uh, don't look at my dog. <laughs> <laughs> don't look him in the eyes. Uh-uh, he'll take oh, everything He'll take everything from you. That's what she said. We're just echoing what she said, dude. Yeah, she said it exactly like that, green-eyed colored boy. That's exactly what she called you. <laughs> it's like a goddamn al- albino, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but uh, I'm sweating now. Yeah, I'm sweating from laughing. Shout out to Jenny Fowler uh, again. That's at Shop Jane Wolf. I want to give another shout out to uh, JP Man. That's uh, at Hefty Lefty Clubworks. Um, it was good getting to be able to talk with him this morning. Um, I didn't think that I needed to really talk to someone like that. I kind of just dumped on him. Uh, so uh, thank oh, you. Oh, shout JP. out to Jessica Man as well. I went shout out to uh, his wife. Oh yeah, did yeah, you bring yeah, the dog in? Yeah, I took Lido in and got his shots and yeah. stuff. And she's oh, always take super uh, warm and professional about everything. So that's cool. Uh, if you if you want the best care for your animals in town, go to All Creatures. Yep. Uh, yep. I'm I'm an uppity bitch and I'm very critical of things and they've always been exceptional. Yep. So. Um, I do want to give a uh, shout out to uh, my buddy Josh Poling. Uh, he owns a hickory and oak. We went out there for the first time on um, Friday, and uh, it was one of those things where it, was, where it was like, "Hey, we should try and like enjoy the fact that we're we're both doing, you know, we're both doing well. Like, let's go and let's go and actually take care of ourselves." You know, I'm um, proud of you, though. Huh? I am proud of you. Did you do the chef's table? That's a thousand dollars. I thought you yeah. were trying to take care of yourself. Yeah, yeah no, I spent <laughs> treat yourself. I spent a fifth of that, and I, was just, <laughs> and I was just like, it was, it it really it at first it hurt to see that, but that's I had to come over the fact that like okay, we grew up poor, like it's it's hard to just get the whole like welfare check kind of mentality out when you see a bill like that. But I will say that. Josh was very friendly. He came up and talked to me, and like the atmosphere was good. The meat was good. Um, all we got, I got a uh, New York strip um, steak, and then I've never had lobster before. I've always thought that it was too never. expensive. Fucking clue. I know. Here. I've always been like, it costs too much. And so, it looks like a big old bug. Yeah, it looks like, like, yeah. <laughs> I don't like the way it looks. It's looking at me funny with its pinchy yeah. hands. <laughs> it was pinchy hands. What you said? You said pinchy? God damn it. But, uh, so, oh man, I'm fucking sweating from laughing. Oh, all my, all my cute fat parts are gonna be all like sweaty when I go you're to the grocery. Cute, you're cute, fat boy, <laughs> yeah, dude. So, um, what about Brandon? Huh, Brandon? You guys shameless? Wait, 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 wait I got a story. I got a story. Too. All right, so uh, we I had the lobster there. Uh, I got the I don't know what sorghum is. Molasses, bitch. Oh, what? See, why don't you just say molasses? Sorghum. Huh? Yeah, there's different oh. types of molasses. There's yeah. black strap, there's sorghum. Black strap? Yeah. Hey, look <laughs> it up, Molly. No, that's fine, but I had sorghum. You didn't uh, grow up in the country, did you? No. No, you did Sorghum Brussels sprouts. Uh, and then I had this this uh, these potatoes that were cooked in duck fat. Well, of course. Mm. Oh, the Lord, duck hey. fat is the king of all fat. Yeah, I've had like foie gras and all that kind of stuff. I think it's great. 
But this stuff was like really, really good. And then uh, Elizabeth, she got like a New York strip, and I don't like those because they're fatty. Um, but uh, everyone says that they taste fantastic. I think it's it's because I grew up on like we we ate like oxtails, and I was like, oh, I don't like the oh flat. fuck, it's like, and it's like. It like coats your lips. It like does. It does coat your lips. I love oxtails, <laughs> bro. I can see you eating oxtails. I know. I'm just in the house, like lips. wiping it on my shirt. <laughs> yeah, dude. I cough for thirty seconds straight <laughs> and just start eating again. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, we got that, and then I got a piece of cheesecake, and uh, yeah, it was it was a good night. And and normally when if we go out to like dinner, one of the things that we like to do is. Uh, Go to Barnes and Noble and just read for a little bit afterwards. You know, what did I'm they saying? bring you like giant people size silverware? Or you had They're to just like little people silverware. Hey, big boy, here's a big ass fork for you. No, no, I just I use regular people silverware. Uh, but uh, we, by the way, that reminds me. Saturday, I was in Bardstown uh, uh, Friday morning for a customer. First thing when I walk in there, guy goes. God damn, you're a big old boy. And I was like, here we fucking go. You know? But like, and, and just over and over, it'd be like, man, you're you're a big boy. I'm just like, I'll be, I bet you play a little football. Really. Yeah, but it was kind of like, how much is that? How much is he worth right there, man? How, what's his name there? It's like viewing me like a slave. Kind of like, oh, no, yeah. how them legs work right there? Can he, can he move stuff? That's literally the entire time. I'm, I just see myself walking up on the stand and this like white dude's out here like, I'm going to go 350 on him. On the big one out there. On with, the big buck. On the big buck with the long arms. <laughs> and the straight teeth. I'm, I'm going to get him. But uh, the straight teeth. Yeah. But uh, we... Uh, Anyway, past that part. I feel so <laughs> awful right now laughing <laughs> at this. But yeah, uh, it, it was a good Friday, man. We, like I said, we normally go to Barnes Noble, but I ate. We, we ate such a big, good meal that like I was pleased with every bit of it, dude. I even tipped the tipped our uh, our server extra. I mean, she was very kind. <laughs> Uh, she was. <laughs> I I gave her the full fifteen percent this time. No, no, no. She got. <laughs> she got fourteen. Uh, no, she got for real. Because yeah. that's good for Kalu. I know. No, I do the standard twenty. But apparently at this place, like I guess you just got to do more. But it was everything was worth it. I was very very pleased. Um, it's not something that I'll do like over and over or anything like that. That's a special occasion type thing. But I did hear that they have this crazy brunch. That you can go to, uh, and if you sit at the bar on Sundays, it's fifteen bucks, and it's all you can eat. And that's why I texted you to see if you want to go. Yeah, I was, to the, I was doing hood rat shit this oh, morning. Oh, really? Okay, yeah. so I was like, hell yeah, man, that sounds great to have as much uh, hickory and oak food. But shout out to Josh, I'm so proud of you for everything that you're doing, man. Uh, and I had a blast, and I recommend anyone if you want to go for a. Oh, excuse me, holy shit! I'm sorry. <laughs> He's still burping. If you want to go for grotesque a grotesque monster, <laughs> if you want to go for a good fine dining experience, please go to uh, Hickory and Oak in Bowling Green, Kentucky. Mm -hmm. It's fantastic. Brandon, do you have any shameless shoutouts? Uh, I just want to give a big shout out to my wife. Like, I'm really proud of you. We got a lot of big things going on, and uh, you just keep doing you. Okay. And somebody just had a baby, didn't they? Was it Ricky? Yeah, Ricky Jones Jr. Ricky Jones Jr. Oh, uh, our good friend, friend of the show. Yeah, he was on one of our first episodes. Yeah, uh, yeah, he just had a little girl. Oh, congratulations, man! Yeah. So shout out to him. Don't be that dad that's like, 
I ain't no one gonna talk to my daughter because those guys are assholes. Well, yeah, yeah, I don't think Ricky's like that. Ricky is, even though he's <laughs> capable of killing someone with his hands, just I like, think he's pretty laid back about we'll it. We'll take it to the ring. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, all right, guys, I'm, I hope you guys found value in this episode. Um, this is definitely one. Again, we're on a. I think we're. I feel like we're on a hot streak. That I'm probably gonna be listening to this one a couple times. Um, I think it's gonna really help me out. I hope again that you guys find value in this episode. Um, I hope you understand that. Uh, taking care of yourself or um, what what is the term that I used before? The new term. Self-sufficient? Se- yeah. Not self- self-sustaining? Yeah, self-sustaining. You've got to engage in self-sustaining activities. Um, if, if, self- if you have a problem with calling it self-care, call it self-sustaining. Uh, that's what I'm going to start doing um, and I am going to try and tailor the things that I do uh, to put me in a position where I am trying to sustain myself. Um, so again, thank you all for listening. Thank you for your time. Hit us up on an Instagram. That's at the Salumas podcast. Uh, go to our Facebook. It's also the Salumas podcast. Go to our website, www.thesalumas.com. Rachel, do, do you want to give your social media info anywhere? Like where can people find you? Or are you just like my shit's private? Fuck off. <laughs> uh, you don't have to. Don't be like you have yeah, to. Yeah, no, I, no. If <laughs> you need like, services, no. if you oh, know okay. anyone who's experiencing uh, psychosis or uh, any of those, then reach out to Life Skills and ask for the iHope program, and Sweet. we would be happy to look into that. Awesome, awesome. All right, guys, that's it. Thanks again. Whoop ass this week, and we are out. Peace.